Sometimes they can be local entrepreneurs, or they could be someone um, who's doing their thing worldwide. Um, so it's an opportunity for you to get to know these people up and close and learn their story and what gave them the passion to do what they do or provide the type of service they provide. So please sit back and enjoy the show. And please be encouraged to share. A lot of people, including myself, kind of do their thing by word of mouth, you know. So the more you spread the knowledge about the show, then the more people who can tune in and grow this thing and make it bigger. And it also gives more support for the people who I bring on the show who are looking to get their product or services out to the masses. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. Dating as a single mother can be extremely difficult. I mean, the job of being a mom itself is tough, but imagine trying to find a significant other in the process. Well, my guest would give her two cents on that situation. From the Chocolate City of Washington, D.C., she's the owner of the Write Her Connection Publishing Company. Please welcome Ms. Shamika Bowen to the Talk to Q radio show. Shamika, how's it going? Hi, Quincy. It's going great. How are you? And I am doing well, and I appreciate you taking the time to join the show. Can you give my listeners a little background about yourself, if you don't mind, so they can get a feel of who you are? Absolutely. Well, I'm Shamika. I am from the Chocolate City, a.k.a. the DMV. I reside in Maryland, so that's about 20 minutes outside of the city. I was born and raised here, but I do have Caribbean roots. Both of my parents are West Indian. Um, I have seven children. I'm a single mom to seven children. Two have graduated high school so far, and the five little ones are making their way through school. Six of them are girls, so that's a whole story in itself. Um, I do own a publishing company. I absolutely love to write. Creatively writing is my thing, it's my go-to, it's my therapy, um, and while doing that, I felt a pull to help engage others um, to just tell their story. I was compelled to help others build a platform around their stories, and that's how the business came about. So um, I felt like I was connecting people with their story, so I called it the Right Her Connection because I am the right and I am a girl, so there's the her, and I connect the stories to the people. So there's that. But other than that, I'm just out here in this pandemic <laughs> trying to stay Rona-free, trying to keep my children Rona-free. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, outside of that, you know, all is well. Thank you for having me. All right. And now I noticed you said you have six girls and one, so you have one boy, that poor kid, growing up in a house with all women with no one to back him up. Oh, that had to be rough. Well, he's okay. got plenty to back him up because those girls do not play about their brother. So <laughs> it's like no matter what kind of situation. It's so funny because even if me and him do not see eye to eye on simple things, the girls are kind of like, well, um, we should just kind of do what Mikhail said because, you know, he might be right or I think that's a good idea. Like he like he's better than me or something. 
So they switch. They my girls will switch teams fast for their brother. It happens quite often. <laughs> okay, well that's good. I'm sure that helps them out then. As far as dating as a single mother, some single mothers don't date because they feel as if it's selfish to take that time away from their children. Do you agree? Why or why not? Agree. Um, it's really, it's hard to navigate um, a lot of different things while you're single, dating being one of them. I think that singleness in itself is a journey. And I really don't think you should be exploring any type of dating or relationship unless you've understood, you know, your singleness. Um, And that doesn't mean that you have to be single with children. You can be just a single individual. I think that you have to explore your journey and embrace it because that's how you are able to embrace even in, you know, even entertaining a a potential partner. So for me, I don't think it's selfish. I really, um, I want to be able to engage with that person. And in order to do that, I have to, you know, understand the journey that I'm on. So I think taking time to just be good, just be okay with being single will allow me the time to have a successful dating, you know, dating season. All right. I understand that. That makes sense. I mean, so for, I mean, for single mothers of younger kids, let's say 12 and under, Uh, you know, young enough to where you don't want to leave them at the house alone. How frustrating is it to deal with men who don't understand that you're not able to come and go as you please, you know, Um, that dating requires preparation and advance notice on your part? That's that's actually pretty frustrating, especially if he knows, um, like, that information up front. Always tell a guy, oh, I have, you know, multiple children or, you know, a large family. So I don't expect for him to understand that. Um, but for someone who does know it up front, I do expect them to have a little bit more patience. And and even if they don't know it, I still kind of expect a little bit more patience because life happens. But, but but honestly, even when I didn't have children, I still wasn't like a get up and go girl. Like I still didn't just get up and, you know, kind of like live life. I still plan for certain things. So I never really was, like, I never really was that kind of girl anyway. Um, But dating, yes, it can be frustrating having to explain to someone that that's not my life. I can't just pick up, put on a pair of jeans and a cute shirt and, you know, be like, oh, I'll be back, kids. Like, I can't do that. Yeah, it does require, and I think a lot of guys just don't understand that, or maybe they just don't want to understand that you just can't, like you say, at that drop of a dime, just get up and go and leave the kids at home, and you have to make arrangements, babysitters, things of that nature, and um, I, I can only imagine how frustrating that can be. All right, but let's say you do find someone special. How can you balance a relationship so that there is no competition for your time between your man and your children? I think that I really think that that's like a partnership thing, you know, like I don't think that you should have to actually do that alone. I think that there is your individual time, you know, so time for me, which I am learning now, even in having a big family to create space where there is just me, even if my children are home, but creating time where I can just, just be me, just breathe, just, you know, read a book, journal, write something that's not work-related, but something that's soothing for me. So learning just, you know, how to, you know, get get to that point. 
then having balance with including my children. So getting my children ready for school is one thing, but getting my children ready for us to go have a family day is another, you know. And soon when I do have a partner, that family day will turn into a family plus, you know, if he has, you know, children, that'll, you know, it'll require for all of us to um, have, like, cultivated relationships. But I don't feel like, you know, trying to balance something like family, individual time, dating time, I don't necessarily feel like that's something that you should have to do all by yourself. Like, I get your time and I get my kids, but as we assume relationships are, you know, we don't go into those trying to figure every single thing out all by ourselves. You know, we include our partners and we include our children on certain decisions that are going to impact them as a whole. So, well, let me ask you this. Now, I grew up in a two-parent household, so I consistently saw examples of love when I was growing up. And it, it was not to say that my parents didn't argue or anything like that, but for consistently is what I saw. As a single mother, do you have concerns about a child growing up in a house without a husband there to show examples of acts of love towards you? Yes and no. Um I do think that all children need both parents. I think having both parents are essential. Um, I I think that it gives um, children a perspective from both viewpoints. They have a mom, they have a dad. Um, I don't think it's always necessary for the parents to agree. I just think it's very necessary for the child to see a healthy relationship. Um, But when the flip side, I think that what my children see from me is the necessary reasons why I keep going, why I keep pushing, you know, why I don't give up on things, no matter how tired I am or how frustrated I am. So it gives them a, um, like a viewpoint to, to, to endure, you know, not um, be stressed out, not to endure as punishment, but to have endurance um, and to have tenacity so that they can, you know, go after the things that they want in life as a single individual if that happens to be what their journey includes. All right. Okay, so let's let's transition a little bit to, you know, back to dating, I, I guess. You know, a lot of guys think that if they are to date a woman with children, that they have to pick up this financial slack left by the baby's father. I mean, is that true or false? Or, and why is that? I, I absolutely hate that. <laughs> I absolutely hate that. I hate when a guy assumes that when he comes into my life, he is responsible. He is the financial sponsor. I own two businesses. I am self-employed. I do well for myself financially. I take very good care of my children. So you coming in, would you would not be our sponsor. You're not going to be our come up. You know what I mean? Like that really <laughs> bothers me that some men think like that. It's, it's, I think it's kind of selfish to have that kind of perspective. And I also kind of like, Okay, so here's my thing. If you do have a relationship with a woman and there is lack, 
because their fathers are not contributing. But you really want to spend time with this woman. You see yourself having a life with this woman. Why would you not want to help her in the areas where she lacks? Because don't you know that that multiplies and it allows for her to be able to help you in areas where you lack? Like, if that was you, wouldn't you want that reciprocated? So it's like a twofold. I never understand why that's the first thing, you know, that men sometimes will think, oh, you need me for a sponsor. And I'm like, uh, absolutely not. <laughs> like, you know, pump your brakes. We're good over here, you know. If my children want to go out to eat, we're able to do that. If my children want to, you know, um, eat a nice dinner, we're able to do that too, where, you know, where we cook it at home. We're able to do that. We we live comfortably, and that's because I work hard so that we can have those things. So, yeah, I, I detest the the sponsor, <laughs> the man who thinks that he is the sponsor. Well, let's break it down further. Let's look at this from a racial perspective. Do you think it's more of a problem with black men when it comes to things of this nature? Because you will see, like, for example, let's look at athletes and celebrities. Athletes and celebrities, if you know them on a personal level, they may think, oh, this this girl is a gold digger, this girl is a gold digger. But then they run out and they start dating a white woman who may even have a track record of dating athletes and celebrities, you know, but they don't, it's almost like they don't view her as a gold digger. I mean, do you think that there's like a racial disparity when it comes to things of that nature? Definitely. Um, Definitely. Because I, um, I don't get to know people um, who are or have been in relationships with people you know, that had big platforms that were famous, that were athletes. So I know, you know, women that have actually um, dated men like that. And it always seemed like the black women were told that they were gold diggers or that, you know, we didn't see beyond the celebrity, the fame, the money, right? It's always been that we didn't want to, you know, help them become better, well, you were already a basketball star when I met you. You know what I mean? I can't help you become a basketball star. You're already that. You were already a famous chef. You were already a, Mm -hmm. you know, you already had a huge platform. So you don't need me to necessarily help you build that because you came with that, you know. But if we can keep it 100 when here, the men weren't looking for a partner. You know, they were, a lot of them were looking for a real quick, fast fix you know, for it that they needed to be scratched. And so it was surface level for them. So why go deep and say, oh, a woman only wanted X, Y, Z, when truth be told, that's what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, I I just think that it's sad that white women can feel as if they deserve to be taken care of. But when a black woman does, she's after something. And there are a lot of guys, because they assume that women are, you know, some women are looking for help when um, they have kids and when it comes to dating, some guys won't take the relationship seriously because he thinks in the back of his mind that he knows he's going to bail on you so he doesn't ultimately have to play daddy, right? So as a woman, uh, a mother of children, how do you discern if he's in it for a good time and not a long time? Um, that that's, that's a lot of prayer right there. I'm not the one that just especially in this season, like as I have gotten older, you know, I take my prayer life very seriously. I ask, you know, God to 
really and truly. Show me who these people are, especially since I have, you know, six daughters. You know, it's, um, yes, I have a son, but my son is grown. So it's, there isn't the same level of I have to protect him as there is with my girls. So having those little girls, you know, and wanting to shield them from any outside predators, anything that could harm them, yeah, I definitely have to, you know, keep myself prayed up and making sure that I'm not only entertaining things that are good for me, but things that are good for my family. Because if a person does come in, I'm not careful, then they have the potential to harm them, you know, or do something harmful to them. And I don't want to experience that. So I'm very discreet about who I let meet my children. I'm very discreet about who I share my location, uh, you know, my address with. I'm very discreet about um, my personal life, my information, and what I share. You know, I don't just jump into relationships, not any of them, not with men, not with women, just being vulnerable. I like to feel a person out, and I give them the opportunity to feel me out because during that time, that will tell you a lot. It will tell you almost everything you need to know about where you want to go with that person. So I'm very careful with, you know, whom I allow in my space because, you know, my past has been colorful enough. So I am definitely not trying to, you know, live out my season life where it's drama-filled, it's always something going on. Like, I'm I'm beyond that. I just I just want to have, like, you know, the good parts of life, you know. And, of course, things will happen, but... Yeah, we. I'm definitely in a tighter filter process where I'm careful with who is allowed to have access to me. I mean, are there certain signs you look for that kind of raises the red flag that, okay, this guy is not yeah. serious about me? Yeah, sure. Um, quick to rush to bed, quick to want to spend time at my, my residence or his residence, those late night hours. You know, like the church folks say, Ain't nothing at 3 a.m. open but some legs. So (laughs) (laughs) I take that seriously, you know, because what are your intentions? You know, and granted, sometimes people are up, you know, watching TV. I am a late night person. So I am sometimes up watching a good movie because that's my, my, that's the time when my kids are not bothering me. But entertaining a conversation every night at 3 a.m., yeah, that's a sign. If you never call me, we're always texting, that's a sign, you know, of that's a heavy sign, you know, especially communication-wise. If you are always making excuses, because I am a day-date person, like when we're first getting to know each other, I am, we, we, I, I strictly date during the day. If you never find the time to date during the day, that's a red flag for me. You know, if you don't share, like, easy things, you know, what type of work do you do? What type of hobbies do you have? You know, how do you feel about this upcoming election? I think we can have healthy conversation when it comes to that, you know. Um, just just those type of things. If you're not open to talk to those, talk about those things, yeah, I look at those as red flags. Narcissism, um, narcissistic behavior where when we do have conversation, you're like over talking me, you're overpowering me. You never want to hear like what my thoughts are. You don't really care 
yeah, that's a red flag. <laughs> so I look for those, you know, um, those are some of the, the flags that I look for in an individual. Sounds like a list that my listeners can definitely jot down and pay attention for. And so what's going on in the future with you? We're we'll, we'll ready to wrap things up. What's going on with Shamika in the upcoming future? So I am putting the final touches on my book. It's called The Labor of Love, subtitled Embracing Pregnancy During Difficult Circumstances. The title says it all, just embracing the joy of motherhood while not conceiving at an ideal time, understanding what your journey is as a mother, your title, your call. I am opening up my calendar to accept new clients into um, the publishing world. I am about to launch a series of master classes to get people, you know, excited about telling their story. So mastering the outline, Creatively You, which is creatively writing your story, um, journaling through your journey, and how to self-publish your book um, will be a few of the master classes that I offer. And just opening up to... Um, Something new, which is event hosting, I've, I've done it in the past, and hmm, okay. I got a lot of positive feedback. Yeah, so I'm thinking about adding that, you know, as a service that I offer, being an event host, like a mistress of ceremonies, master of ceremonies, or MC. So those are the things that I'm currently working on. And you're staying busy. And so where can people find you and connect with you? Okay, sure. So I am on, I guess I'm on all the social media forums. So my Facebook is my name. It is Jamika, S as in Sam, C-H-E-M as in Mary, E-K-A-C, Bowen, B-O-W-R-I-N. And my Instagram is girl, right, her. So girl, right, and her, all one word. I'm also Girl Write Her on Twitter, and I also have a Pinterest, I'm sorry, Pinterest, yeah, Pinterest. Pinterest is my name as well, Shamika Bowen. So that's where they can find me. All right, sounds good. And before we get ready to close it down, I do want to backtrack in a bit. I first heard you on the Dope Discussions with Erica podcast. And to my listeners out there, I'm always referring back to her podcast for something that I heard. So be sure to check out Dope Discussions with Erica. It's a great podcast. But it is. that's the first place I remember hearing you. And you told a story about, I guess, you know, back in your drama field days of an incident of, I think, going out with your friend girls and seeing your boyfriend's car somewhere it wasn't supposed to oh. be. Do you recall that story? <laughs> yes. Do you mind sharing that with my listeners, please? (laughs) Ah, Quincy. Okay. So (laughs) me and my homegirls, we were, like, getting ready. We we were all in that season of life where all of our men were just, they were just doing us wrong, man. So we all were like, okay, let's go out. We're going to, you know, go out. We're going to get, grab a couple drinks you know, stop a, stop at a couple of bars. And if you've ever been to D.C., you can go and park your car, like, on 8th Street, and there's a lot of spots. And you can literally park your car and walk 8th Street and go to several different lounges and different, you know, just different nightclubs. Um, 
that are not as jumpy as, like, the traditional light cubs. So, you know, that's what we did. Well, we were walking. We had dinner, and as we were going, we were walking. We were getting ready to go to a lounge and meet another friend. And one of my friends was like, girl, isn't that your car? And I was like, it looks like my car. (laughs) And so I walked up, and I was like, okay, this is my car. And I'm just thinking to myself, how is my car here? And I did not drive it here. Interesting. <laughs> it just so happened to be right outside of a um, of this restaurant. So me and my and you know y'all know when your girls are there, they will hype you up. And so I'm like, I don't believe it. What is he doing here? What's going on? How did this happen? And my girls are like, go in there and get him. Like show him who you you know. And I was like, ah, okay. So I go in there, and my girls are like, there he goes. Like, there he is. You know, and he's sitting there having dinner with this (laughs) this other girl. So instead of me going into the restaurant and causing a scene, I back out. And mind you, I told you, like, it's, it's like, lit on H Street. So there's also, like, stores. We happen to run into one of those stores that has, they sell everything. So I went in that store, and I found a club. And I was like, I'm going to buy this club. So I bought the club. And, of course, because it's my car, I have keys. And I popped open the door. And I put the club on the steering wheel. And me and my friends pursued (laughs) our way back down 8th Street. And we had a good time. We were out all night, all into the wee hours of the morning. And so I got a text um, probably, it had to be shortly after he discovered, you know, that the club, he was just like, yeah, um, are you um, on 8th Street? And I was like, 8th Street? I gave him the 8th Street with a bunch of question marks. Like, 8th Street? Like, no, I'm not on 8th Street. You know, meanwhile, me and my girls are, like, a couple doors down at, like, the next lounge, having the time of our lives. So it's fair to say that I am Petty Betty. I don't have to make a scene for you to understand that I am present. (laughs) So... He had to spend mm-hmm. quite a few bit of hours trying to get that club up, and he had to explain as to why there was a club on his car that he did not have the key to. So, you know, it was an interesting night for him, fun night for me and my girls, and they still talk about that, even though that was like 13 years ago. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a bad situation to be in right there. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I just thought it was, um, I remember hearing the funny story on on the podcast, and I was like, wow. I said, that's a bad situation to be in. (laughs) Well, look, Shamika, I appreciate you taking the time to join this Q11 edition of the Talk to Q radio show. It's been a pleasure, and I I wish you much success in the future, and I hope that we can do it again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And that's going to do it for this T2Q podcast. Go to TalkToQ.com, and that way you can sign up for the email newsletter and be alerted to new shows as they come out. I'm on Twitter at TalkToQ, and that's Talk, the number two Q. So I want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast of T2Q, and I'll see you next time.